This week on the podcast, I have an extra special guest. Joe Hine is a partner at SI Partners. He has been involved in some of the biggest deals in the creative services space to date. He was involved in the sale of Velocity Partners Stake to Next15, the sale of All of Us to BCG, the sale of Market Gravity to Deloitte. He is uniquely qualified to talk about the state of M&A in 2020 with the FT and other publications in the summer talking about lockdowns in global deal-making, Joe's firm is actually seeing something very different. They've gone to market eight times since March. All have been achieved without face-to-face meetings. It's actually easier in many ways to get deals done in this environment. This is just such a masterclass in all things concerning deal-making for creative services firms. If you're even remotely interested in anything, to do with M&A during COVID-19, then this is the podcast for you. By the way, Joe Hine is the first Agency Dealmasters three-timer, and he wasn't quite as excited about that honor as I was, which actually did surprise me a little bit, to be honest. I won't hold it against him. Without me keeping you in suspense any further, my conversation with Joe Hine. Joe Hine is a partner at SI Partners. He provides M&A advice on high-value cross-border deals. He's worked on over 50 transactions throughout his career. He manages the sale process end-to-end, including buyer identification, offer negotiation, and completion. His M&A work includes the sale of Velocity Partners Stake to Next15, all of us to Boston Consulting Group, uh, the sale of Market Gravity to Deloitte in 2018. He is also an Agency Dealmasters three-timer, the first Agency Dealmasters three-timer, actually. I'm very much looking forward to the conversation. Joe Hine, welcome to Agency Dealmasters. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be back, Nathan. And you are the first person to be on the show three times, Joe. That is just an honor that has not been bestowed to anyone else apart from you. How do you feel? Um, A a, a little emotional, if I'm honest. (laughs) I, well, I always thoroughly enjoy talking to you, so I'm looking forward to our chat. Yeah, really brilliant. So so uh, we're speaking for the second time during this kind of crazy time of, of, of COVID-19. Um, before we get into all of the hard stuff, the technical stuff, how have things been for you and, and the business since the last time we spoke in March? Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like March, April. I mean, look, I, I think our... Our journey is matched sort of similar to a lot of what clients have felt. You know, I think, you know, there was there was a couple of months of confusion, bewilderment, you know, shock uh, in everyone sort of trying to work out what what it is that this means and what they need to do and kind of what what's the consequences for their business. But since then, it's just built. Um, and actually, we've we've seen really positive signs. And I, and I think, you know, kind of it's sort of strengthened over the summer and we've got really sort of good hopes for September to, to continue the trend. Well, that's interesting because if you look at any of the newspaper clippings or anything online, you will think that like M&A deals are just not being done. To be honest, you would, you would think that the deals are falling through the floor and there are, you know, there's, there's no business being done anywhere, but that's really not what you're seeing from the shop floor. No, no. I, I our experience has been, has been quite different. Um, yeah, you know, I, I can see us having almost a busier year this year than we did last year. Um, and, and actually all the activity at the moment is through is, is sort of bona fide deals. These aren't, you know, they, they aren't 
sort of emergency sales or you know kind of distressed businesses these are these are just sort of you know normal normal transactions that you'd expect to 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 kind of have in any m a uh market it, when when it started we had a handful of transactions that that um you know or businesses that wanted to go to market in uh in Mar- you know we were lined up to go in march april uh and and the clients asked us what should we do and we're like well, look we're ready let's let's go out to market and see what happens i mean first of all we checked their businesses and they were like look not terribly affected maybe growth growth rate is slower but you know certainly not 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 kind of materially down or where they wanted to be um and they were like look let's let's go to market and see what happens and the the response you know was is is sort of actually outpaced what what our expectations if i'm honest um it's it's been a very different environment in which to transact clearly everybody's had to work out what you can and can't achieve over um you know over zoom calls and over over microsoft teams and uh, you know in the same way that everybody else has experienced that there's a lot more that you can achieve than you'd have initially thought <clears throat> you know the deal MA market is exactly the same and weirdly it's it's actually quicker because so often in what we do you're trying to align you know very busy people ceos and ceos to meet um, in and trying to get them in the same geography with a time slot that's available mm. and you know virtual meeting has as as just completely you know replaced that and allow that to happen almost instantly so the sort of deals that we have got in market have moved quicker um to to get to this stage and and it's phenomenal what you know could be achieved without actually a face-to-face meeting i'm surprised to hear you say that you're expecting a better year this year than you did last year and that the market hasn't change significantly so i guess that goes back to the types of clients that you were representing then and they're the sort of businesses that can sort of weather this sort of storm but any any sort of economic storm so i would imagine your tech enabled businesses your businesses that would have been uh valuable in any sort of environment but potentially even more valuable now that we're more remote and Mm. uh, everyone's working from home talk a little bit about the types of clients yeah. that you're representing and and how they're able to weather this these choppy yeah. waters yeah look and, and and i think there's two parts to that equation you're right you know and and the fundamentally is is you know the businesses that we're representing and the strength of the, the of them and, and, and what they're doing in their in in uh you know maintaining work what you know, through this period but perhaps that's all about positioning i'll touch on that in in a in a second and i think secondly it's um actually you know approach and uh access to to the buyers as well so you know actually being able to delve into the corners of the market and find out you know who who's still acquiring in a in a market that looks quiet but actually there's a lot out there um and and, and you're right you know this is it's it's the same sort of trends that we saw before covid um that are uh still very much in existence you know the, the, the covid has uh exacerbated the distance between the the sort of two economies the digital and non-digital economies that that, that are out there um <coughs> excuse me and um you know anyone that has exposure to you know the right sorts of clients so specialisms in healthcare specialisms in in technology um you know it used to be tech specialism in sport as well but you know that will that will come back i'm, I'm absolutely certain of it it's just you know not quite at the moment um but and then it's ensuring that you've got you know a high value consultancy layer or you know a lot of data and ai within what you're doing and and the way that you're you're approaching the business or you've got you know um tech as your core product or tech as part of your of your offering so whether that's you know let's say tech cloud computing or 
um, you know, sort of implementation of of um, or consultancy around technology. Everyone knows that the digital transformation world is is you know is in being enhanced um, by this because everyone's need to get online is and and, and to improve their their presence online um, has has increased. So you know, martech and 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 then you know exposure to those kind of uh, parts of the world are, are are definitely driving activity. So, so just on that, then, who who are the main players in the market now that are um, acquiring businesses? Is it your PE back firms? Is it your technology buyers? Who are they? Are they the same as before, or have they changed? Yeah, yeah. I I, I think it, it again. It is just strengthen the trend that we've seen. So you know, buyers that reliant on marketing traditional marketing budgets and you know have high exposure in the in the stock market, they're the ones that have stopped all their activity. Um, it is the more dynamic buyers that we were seeing emerging that kind of haven't slowed down um, their activity. So you're right, absolutely anyone that's PE backed, they're just seeing this as completely opportunistic at this point in time. A lot of independents out there are saying actually kind of now is a good time for us to continue our march, you know, that where their businesses are, you know, relatively unaffected. <coughs> but again, the consultancies very much out there, technology backed businesses, technology consultancies, absolutely out there so there are, are are different layers in the market and and i think you know one of the one of the points actually to to pick up on is is the sorts of transactions that, that are occurring so there are you know a few headline deals that are going that are going on out there but perhaps less so you know there is a lot of opportunity for for boltons <clears throat> you know slightly de-risked from a buyer's perspective bringing in some specialist skills that really enhance your offer um you know that they're, they're the deals that you know we're seeing quite a lot of at, at, at the moment um, and and to and to execute on those, that's really trying to be able to understand the corners of the market and, and and where people are looking. So I'm sure it's a really good time, as you're saying, to be a buyer in this market, um, because you know for you know for obvious obvious reasons, now is a good time to get get out your checkbook and and go mm. shopping. But is it a good time to to be a seller in this in this environment if you're a creative services firm? Because potentially you've seen a lot of value drop out of your business. Um, is there that energy for those agencies to kind of build value back into their businesses before they sell? We've heard a lot of talk about distressed purchases at the yeah. moment. Um, is now a good time to sell if you're an agency owner? Look, I, you know, it, uh, to be honest, any engagement that we start with always starts with the, the same question, which is what, what does an agency owner want? You know, because if it, there are so many different objectives behind M&A, um, you know, the best place to start is always growth and, and kind of what you want to do. But, you know, it's, it's your business. And if, you know, it, it's the interplay between value, your journey that you want to go on and, and kind of who you want to partner with and how you want that partnership to look and feel like um, and, and your and your kind of motivations as a, as a, a, you know, of what you'd like to do with the business. So, you know, for, for people who have found that their business has been, you know, relatively unaffected, or, you know, like I say, perhaps slower growth or, you know, flat growth, but actually, you know, trading well. You know, I, I personally, if there's other matters in your life that think this is the right time to go to market, I, you know, there is definitely opportunity out there for you to go and, you know, to, to go and to go and achieve a deal right now. Um, and, and we're not seeing values particularly change, by the way, um, <clears throat> particularly for those sorts of businesses. Now, it, you know, if you've had an effect on your business and you are, you know, as you said, you maybe you've got, you know, values, you know, the, the value that you've created is is going to be down or from from potentially its peak. 
there are you know there's, there are a few considerations about what you might want to do you know about whether do you have the energy to to kind of back yourself again and you know kind of perhaps you've stepped back in and to be the, a leader of the business where you'd kind of you know delegated it before so can can you go back on that journey and innovate and you know take your talent on the on, on the journey next time around you know some people will want to go and say go again they go it's fine i've got another five years that's great other people that that don't then actually there are other things to be thinking about um you know one of the one of the things that we've seen some of our clients pivot to as through this process in terms of not their businesses but in terms of the the work that we've been doing with them is is to look at rather than selling it to a third party but actually can they sell it to themselves and some businesses are very well suited to um what's known as an employee ownership trust uh mm. effectively it's sort of a tax efficient uh management buyout you know succession plan um that allows you to to hand the business down to the next generation but stay involved and do it in a very slow way but actually get some value out of your business at a you know in a very e- efficient way um you know and there is a sort of moment of opportunity at, you know i think certainly in the next sort of six months to, to to look at that um and, and we've got quite a few businesses that, that that's floated on their radar as okay well the timing was right for me but my business isn't in the right place so what else can i do and and so that's very much part of our part of the agenda that we're, we're talking to people about at the moment and then and then finally to your kind of point yeah. about um you know other businesses that you know kind of are you know if, if the value is down but uh, you know you where you are in your journey is like actually you know not sure what what i want to do next um you know there are a lot of buyers out there that are looking for you know good businesses that they can pick up at you know what would be you know at, at, at a value that's lower than than the peak but actually might act you know might it might be the value is is there's more value deferred so you get less value up front but you can get more value you know the value doesn't change you're just getting some value in the future i.e when you bring your business back then you can then you can kind of prove it down the line um so yeah look, there's, there's still opportunity out there um if if you've uh if you're not kind of where you'd want to be you spoke a moment ago about employee ownership businesses um eot it's mm. a term i just learned five minutes before we started recording this but um really interesting that you say that because i spoke to james cross a partner at knl gates recently who said mm. that investors are interested more so now in that second tier of management who could pretend who who will become the future leaders of, of the yeah. company so it's less about looking at the current leadership team it's about looking at the next generation so what can agencies do now to build in succession planning into their into their agencies and that apparently is you know very attractive increasingly more attractive to yeah. potential buyers yeah no no and and and, it, and i i would echo what james has said it, he's absolutely right and it's it's a, a lot of the narrative that we talk about um with buyers is about that second tier you know and if you think about it it's about de-risking from a buyer's perspective sure. as well as you know what's the path to growth because you know is the business limited by the individual at the top and their black book um, the founder and actually kind of is it hit a ceiling or have you got another three or four people beneath them that can can take the you know can keep expanding it and, and build out that 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 team <coughs> so um it, you know i think leadership is absolutely um is something to be thinking about if if you are a uh, a founder of the business at this point in time as i kind of touched on earlier what we've seen is a lot of leaders have stepped back into the business to to manage it you know sort of crisis situation let's move in and let's um you know kind of hold the reins be you know make sure that we're making the right decisions 
uh, when when the kind of decisions may be sort of more consequential. Um, and it's about uh, trying to trying to make that deliberate step back. You know, mm. now is the time. The market's beginning to shift to to make sure that we're not you know you're not suffocating and that all of that good work about trying to develop your second tier hasn't been undone by you know stepping back in and and, and taking control of the reins. So very much handing that back and giving you the headspace to, to start thinking about the future and the growth and innovation and whatever else is coming down the line. Um, but also now is a great time to be thinking about employee incentives. So, you know, you need to, as you said, you know, founders, have they got the energy to, to galvanize themselves again and, and, and go on that and go on that, that second push to, to, to build the business up to where it was and beyond. And part of that is building is galvanizing the team around you. Mm. Uh, and, and a really effective way of doing that is, is you know, trying to think about share options and share incentives as part of people's remuneration. You're not going to be able to give bonuses this year, perhaps. Um, mm. Actually, how do you start changing people's psyche from, you know, a bonus this year to actually let's, you know, the, Joe's telling me the M&A market's still good. It's still going to be good in a few years time. So let's try to think about a bigger event for everybody down the line. And by the way, you know, the value of the business is slower at the moment. So, you know, any share options you get are going to be at a lower value. So there's more, mm. more upside for you. So I, I the, the impact that we've seen of, you know, bringing your second tier into the fold, into the, the, the inner sanctum and becoming a shareholder, even if it's only in, in options, um, can be incredibly motivational about, about, you know, bringing everyone together and really going on a journey. And I think, you know, that's exactly what everybody's business needs to be doing at the moment is, is, is really looking after their people and bringing them together. Joe, last question before we get into our favorite questions at the end of the interview that, that I ask all my guests, although I've asked you a lot of those questions already, so I'm going to change it slightly. But um, last question, what does the future look like? Because we've got no vaccine. Yeah. The furlough money is running out very soon. Uh, there's a lot of talk about a second spike potentially everything that you've just said changes a lot in the next few months yeah yeah look i i think that i I, i'm kind of with the the bank of england on this i think the furlough scheme does need to end you know uh you've got to get support in the right places to the right people and but similarly you can't keep things afloat um you know if if there's inefficiencies kind of kind of in the market now the sad thing about that is there will be you know i think we're going to see q4 there's going to be some businesses out there that are going to be quite affected by that um so you know are are we going to see an impact of that of that kind of stopping yeah uh probably um it, it is that about then actually redeploying resources and you know trying to create more efficiencies you know potentially trying to carve out the good parts of of any business and uh, and partner them with with strong businesses so that they can thrive and continue to grow in, in different environments. I think we are going to see a bit of that, yeah, um, a- a- absolutely. And we're already seeing a lot of you know inquiries that we are getting for for that kind of opportunity. But but I think that we've seen what can be achieved uh, remotely, um, and and I and I can't see that people's strategic people's strategic priorities haven't changed and they won't won't change. So. You know, I, I think actually there is, it's, it's very promising for the continuation of of, of business, um, albeit, you know, you, people are going to have to think hard about what that looks like for them and their individual businesses. Um, but 
you know, I, I kind of see that in every situation, there's opportunity as well as as well as risk. And, you know, this is a real chance to seek out where those opportunities are and think about the future. And I solidly believe and, and I, you know, maybe it's just the optimist in me that this is all going to, you know, there isn't a vaccine yet, but it's all going to Gonna, it's going to kind of come to an end quicker than we think, um, you know. And uh, I, I think the the, cha- the workplace is going to be different. Um, I, I think we'll find ourselves back in offices sooner than than some people suggest. That's my mm. personal belief. I'm a mm. I back um, the concept of agglomeration economics, uh, and I think that's quite powerful for for creativity and innovation. And that's what we as a country are famous for, and we'll need to do um, rather than agglomeration agglomeration economics yeah it, which is effectively is the fact that if you bring together agglomerate a lot of very you know powerful minds and people and influence in one space you know like london then that will create innovation creativity sure. cross-pollination of ideas right and actually you know so the efficiencies that people are gaining from sit back, sitting at home without distraction is great but that's execution um, and so, yeah, you know, kind of that works at one level, but at another level, unless you're having those powerful conversations where you cross pollinate ideas mm. um, and, and you're bringing in other influences into different things, then then it's going to stymie our long term development. Mm. It, and, and, and I think it will be businesses that think that they can trade, you know, completely offline uh, online. You know, I, I, I'm really fascinated to see kind of what that does to their, to their business model over, you know, five, ten years. Ah, that's fascinating. So you're not one of those people who sort of agrees that we should all be living and working remotely now. You you kind of believe that we should have more of a hybrid model or we should be in teams together more often because we've proven that actually we can work remotely. Yeah. Um, but actually you're not, you don't go along with that for the long term benefits of the economy or individual yeah. businesses I I, I I think for the economy i think for the economy because wow. i think um you know you're going to lose so you know do i think that we need we can uh we need to be in the office five days a week i i, I don't know that we do do i believe that we could be at home five days a week no absolutely not i think that is going to be very very detrimental to us as a as a business you know as, because as we don't have that cross pollination of ideas, yeah, that's the main thing that we're missing. Well, I think I think I think we are, yeah, and and I don't think that that will suit a lot of people as well. Mm. You know, uh, you know, if you think about, you know, one of the biggest problems for any grown business out there, they'll tell you is talent. Okay, and you know, trying to bring young talent into your into your organization, and you know, different generations are different, but so much of my generation. They made their friends, they met their partners, their social life was all based around work and being sure. in the thick of things and really enjoying that lifestyle. You're set up to, you know, your living arrangements are designed for you to to kind of be more in the office. And that's where your social life is, particularly if you want to go to new cities where there's more opportunity and and meet people, make those connections and, you know, kind of those those opportunistic uh you know, uh, serendipitous meetings where you go, mm. you meet your new boss down the pub, he was working behind the bar, who knows, right? Sure. Um and and I just think that you you can't you, you kind of start taking that stuff away and I think the world becomes sad. And I think you'll find it harder if you don't have central London offices or central Birmingham offices or, you know, those opportunities, then I think that um that that you will struggle to get to get the best talent. Now that's not, you know, that's not to say that that is a completely uh there's no sort of change. I think there's some change, but it's just not as much as people think. Mm. But as you said, <laughs> the next question. 
that does create, this situation does create opportunities for the right types of businesses who can recognize the opportunity and, and fill that gap. And we talked off air about an events business that you work with or aware of yeah. um, um, who have pivoted really interestingly recently. Talk a little bit about that space specifically because they have been decimated or hit quite hard by COVID-19. Yeah. Yeah. Now, yeah, it's a, you know, I think the event space is, is you know, is, is clearly one of the the most obvious you know, largely affected businesses mm. um, areas in in this um, in this time. Um, I think you know the, the business uh, that kind of I know of was very fortunate that they've got really really good relationships with um, with the businesses that they work with. So, and and actually they had quite a consultative approach to how they work with those businesses, and I think within that it allowed them to say, well, how do we leverage what we have? what our strengths are. So, you know, very good relationships with very senior marketeers within organizations to facilitate what they are trying to achieve and work out ways of, of which we can kind of facilitate that. But also they had different exposure to different events because I think there's a slightly different approach for, you know, some of the industry events out there that that kind of have to happen. So if you take, uh, take uh, Mobile World Congress in Barcelona, you know, it's organized by almost effectively a trust for the mobile industry. So that event is going to need to happen, whether it's a thousand people or a hundred thousand people, you know, bringing together of, of those minds that needs to happen. So it's really trying to think about, you know, where your strengths are and, and, and how do you segment and approach it in, in a kind of slightly different way. There's another events business I work with as well, actually, or, or part of their offer is events. And, uh, and they've weirdly worked out, you know, I think events online are very hard to do. Yeah. Um, but I, th- they think they've cracked it and it, it's doing it in, uh, it, much it's, it's sort of, it's scaling down your ambition to, to kind of maximize your impact is, is kind of, I think in summary of what, of what they've done. Um, but they've, they've really cracked it. I, I've also, um, you know, it, it's been quite interesting about how different audiences, how you, how you measure your audiences. And I don't know if you've, um, uh, come across any of the comedians or talk spoken about comedians that have managed to sort of crack online comedy but it's quite interesting what they're doing now with 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 that and it's having a very select audience in front of them to, yeah. to get the get the feedback without having the the noise of someone making a cup of tea <laughs> yeah well from what 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 from what i'm hearing about comedians is that in the early days initially what they try to do is replicate the real world mm. uh comedic experience online and that just fell through Completely, but if you see comedians like Sarah Sarah, Sarah Silverman, who mm. does those funny impressions of uh, uh, um, Trump, um, she's she's totally sort of reimagined what it's like to do comedy online mm. and and how people engage with it. So it's that sort of thing that I imagine that the events businesses are having to do because no one's no one wants to be around a thousand strangers at the moment and also we're all having event fatigue webinar fatigue and mm. zoom fatigue uh so massively some, yeah definitely uh, not podcast fatigue though that's that's still pretty alive and strong it's going, it's going strong i i would I, I hope it is for you nathan <laughs> <laughs> no I, I think so i think so i think people have seen so, seek solace in that you know you're right people don't want to look in at my screen, podcast i nathan i can listen to you all day long <laughs> 
Let's uh, final question, Joe. Let's let's get into our favorite questions now before uh, we end this interview. Now, I've asked you a lot of these questions already, so I'm going to pick some that I haven't asked you so far. What's the most interesting thing? And by the way, you have no idea that these things are coming. So no, I don't. See your reaction. <laughs> What's the most interesting thing that people don't know about your background? Uh, that I uh, used to have a world ranking at um, football. Wow. Yeah. What was the ranking? Uh, 2,685th in the world. <laughs> That's but, pretty good. So, world ranking. So, I'll take that. <laughs> it's a world ranking. Um, yeah, I guess probably like 2,800 people played foosball at, at, at that competitive level. Um, that's a lot of it's a lot of time spent playing foosball. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of well-spent youth. Misspent youth. Um, what have you been watching and streaming on online since lockdown? Uh, Amazon Prime, Netflix, Disney, Disney Plus. Tell us some of your favourites. Uh, well, I, I'm probably one of the worst people to ask that question because I have none of those services in my house. Really? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, I, I, it's not, what do you uh... do? <laughs> I don't I don't compute there are other I, things to do other than Netflix yeah 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 I don't know um but do you know I've been I've been re-watching Heroes okay from 2005 it's on <laughs> it's on BBC iPlayer and I've been thoroughly enjoying it I have to say um it's you know it's when they used to make series about 25 episodes yeah. long rather than the 10 yeah. or so or less now um but yeah that's that's been my uh, that's my go-to yeah. at the moment they make new shows, you know, Joe, they do. They <laughs> so, so just on that then, how have you been occupying your free time during lockdown? What have you been reading, listening to, watching, aside from Agency Dealmasters podcast? Of yeah, yeah. So what, once I've watched, uh, listened to Agency Dealmasters podcast, <laughs> uh, do you know, I have, you know, and, and kind of looking for the positives in all in, in everything, in the positive, one of the positives for me, other than obviously spending time with the family, which has been nice, uh it has been exercise and i've i've really managed to to kind of reinvigorate my exercise so i spent a lot of time time doing that and and even you know when i go into the office i cycle in now you know mm. and and that's just uh yeah it's been a bit of a game changer wound back the clock a few years to before i had children which has been nice great peloton got a peloton yet no i'm, I'm outside you know no. you know me nathan i've got no ah. no, no streaming services just okay. outside <laughs> just outside you're uh, you're totally you're totally analog in this in this digital world. There is uh, a large part of my life that is analog. That's correct. Yeah, yeah, amazing. Um, final question, Joe, and then I, and then I'll let you go. Although I've asked this question of you before. Um, what do you know? No, let me change that. Okay, here we go. So when I'm going through tough times, I remind myself of inspirational quotes from people that I admire to get me through, like Viktor Frankl's "From Stimulus to Response." From, from between stimulus and response, there's choice. From the magic of big thinking, how big we think determines the size of our accomplishment or action cures fear. Do you have any of those things that you fall back on in tough times? You know, I, I heard one recently or came across one recently and I think, I hope that I will stick to it. And, you know, the, the quote was that everything will be all right in the end. Uh, and if it's not all right, it's not the end. And I just felt that that is uh, oh, wow. just absolutely true in life and, and something that we should all remember. Love it. Great place to end. Joe, thanks for doing this again. Uh, always a pleasure, Nathan. Lovely to speak to you. We have been speaking with Joe Hine. He is currently a partner at SI Partners. If you enjoyed this conversation, then head over to Apple Podcasts where you can listen to 92 
such conversations we've had now with world-class sales and marketing leaders. Thank you for all your feedback and suggestions on LinkedIn and email. Write to me at Nathan at agencydealmasters.com. Follow me on Twitter at Nathan Annie Barber. We would be unable to do this show without our very own deal masters. Ahmed Ahmed is our editor. Genevieve Mageki is our booker slash project manager. Marion Begum is our head of research. I'm Nathan Annie Barber. You've been listening to Agency Deal Masters. And we're done. Nice. Very soon.